This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London podcast. And we're in West London. We are in Hammersmith, Fulham Territory. We're down the Fulham Palace Road. Running down the Fulham Palace Road to see the Brentford Aces. That's me, Billy Grant, and I'm in the Distillers Pub, Fulham Country, just up the top of the Fulham Palace Road, just around the corner from the Hammersmith Odeon, as it used to be called, or the, the Apollo, or the Eventim Apollo, or the event, Eventbrite, whatever you call it, place. Loads of people over there hanging out, going to watch some sort of comedy show or some sort of music thing, but we're not, we're in the pub here, listening to some really wicked music in the distillers, which is, we call it the rock and roll pub, because there's all sorts of rock and roll action coming here, look, look on the wall, there's all sorts of record discs, there's all sorts of, uh, there's centaurs and sort of kind of flying horses, and oh, I mean, what else is it? Brickwork. It's a, it's a lot of brickwork in it. And that's a, it's a really good pub. It's one of my favourites, actually, on our little little circuit. As you say, it's probably a little bit too close to uh, Fulham for my liking, but it's still it's still a bit of a schlep. It's very, very much Hammersmith. It's, it is in Fulham. Beer in here is very good. Um, it's not very busy on a, on a, on a Wednesday night. But they're, all, they're all upstairs at the, um, the, the open mic. They are, or they're, or they're watching the uh, the Liverpool-Man City game, which looks a little bit lively at the moment. It looks very, very lively indeed. But like I said to you, I am Billy Grant, and like I said to you, I'm sitting here with a smile on my face because things have taken a bit of a turn over this Easter weekend. I actually didn't didn't, didn't, didn't take a train here. I didn't even take a didn't take a car here. I actually took a bunny. I took a bunny, an Easter bunny here. I thought it was the last time we got to see a bunny, so the bunny just dropped me off at the distillers today, and so I'm sitting here having a pint of pride and having a bit of a laugh, and I'm sitting here with my buddies, Mr. Dave Lane to the left of me. Dave, I know you just chatted about the walls. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've had a good weekend, actually. It's been, a, it's been an eventful Easter weekend. Good Friday was, wasn't as good as it has been to us in the past. We'll talk about the Sheffield, Wednesday, Sheffield United game sorry, a little bit, a little bit later. And obviously Bristol City on Easter Monday, um, and in between that, I, 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 well, I didn't get, I didn't get much chocolate, Bill. I think we're going to go around and talk about our eggs in a minute. We'll find about eggs, but we just need to know exactly who's in the pub with us today. And listen, normally we put the call out. We say, listen, if you're a newbie, if you're a newbie, and you fancy coming on the podcast, just give us a call, drop us a line, send us a text, whatever you need to do, and we'll invite you on. 
and we've had newbies that said, I want to come. And normally we might have a one newbie on the show, but today we got a double bubble trouble. we got two newbies on the show. The first one is the Damo Flar. Damo, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Bill. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's been a, a long time in uh, coming, this. I've been, I've been waiting to get on, but uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I've uh, been a, been a big, massive Bees fan since uh, 1991, so uh, long, long time supporting the club, and, um, yeah, I'm delighted to be here. That's all good, mate. So you can enjoy yourself, you can sup up, you can have a laugh, and um, we'll see how it goes. We've also got a newbie, newbie number two here. We've got Dan the Man Man. Dan the man, I mean, and man. <laughs> I haven't got a slammer here. No, no. Dan the man, man. How are you doing, Dan the man, man? I'm good, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I am Dan the man with a double N, double N on the man. But yeah, looking forward to tonight. Yeah, looking forward to drinking Pride and talking Brentford. All good. Which is all very, very good indeed. So Easter's gone. However, eggs, normally people get delivered eggs, all sorts of eggs. Uh, I mean, guys. I mean, with you Easter, obviously we got a fair few. We got some, we got some points, but did you get the eggs, Laney? No, I didn't get a single bloody egg, Bill. And um, I'm not particularly happy about it, if I'm honest with you. I did the, um, I did the manners. I bought, I bought the eggs. I, I bought, a, I bought a few, handed them out, and um, I got absolutely bugger all back. I got a, a kind of pathetic little rabbit. Um, not one of those. Um, which reminds me of a John Terry's. Um, anyway, yeah. No, 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 no the, the, like, kicked in then the old um, cognitive behavioural. I wasn't. Uh, it was gonna. I'm all right. I'm self self um, policing myself. Um, but I had to. Uh, I celebrated with milk stout in Bristol City, which was much better than any any Easter egg. Although I have to admit, I have stolen half of my son. So um, I have had chocolate, but it's illicit. To be expected, to be to be honest with you, Damo. Uh, were you an egg-free weekend? Did you have an egg-free weekend by any chance? I was, as it happens, but I did get chocolate. I got a uh, some kind of chocolate sheep, um, which is unrecognisable now because I've already eaten the legs. But I've got some sort of animal's body left made out of chocolate. So, yeah, I did all right. No eggs, but I got something. I mean, if you can't get eggs, just just, just take anything you want to. The man. How about yourself? Yeah, I've got a couple of uh, Easter eggs. I even got a chocolate Easter bunny as well, which was uh, very posh and gold wrapping. So, yeah, so I'll be tucking into that at some point. Which, which exact eggs did you get? Oh, uh, I think I've got a dairy milk one and a Kit Kat one. Kit Kat? How old are you? <laughs> 33. I didn't buy them, I got given them. From, from maybe work I'm, as well. So maybe, maybe I'm just saying that through jealousy because I was... I was I had an egg-free weekend, to be honest with you. I tried and I did pray to get some eggs, and I thought they'd come down from the sky and all that kind of stuff. But um, I woke up in the morning. And there's no eggs under the Christmas tree. I, I, I did get it right, didn't I? You get a bit confused, so you had to make do with a lift off the bunny tonight. Indeed, that's right. That's 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 how I made up for it. But anyway, listen. Forget the eggs. Forget the Christmas trees. Forget whatever else has been going on here. We're going to look back to that weekend where eggs were raining everywhere. And goals weren't quite raining everywhere, but we saw a few goals. Some goals at Griffin Park and some goals up at Bristol. Let's hark back to Saturday and Tuesday when... Friday. Oh, Friday, actually. It was Good Friday. It was Good Friday when Sheffield United came down to Griffin Park in their droves. They hadn't been there for years. Uh, They enjoyed themselves on and off the pitch, it has to be said. It was very wet. And also Monday, Easter Monday down at Ashton Gate when we went to go and see them listen to the fans hear what they had to say after the game in the pubs 
Nah, but I, I, I did quite enjoy it. I, I spent the first half in stripes, which I think was the best place to spend it. Second half, I come out and watched the game, and I, I thought we stood up and were counted, and we, we gave a good account of ourselves. I went up to Sheffield, first game of the season, and thought we were bullied out of the game. I thought today we stood up, and we, you know, we, we stood up for ourselves. Probably deserved more than we got in the end. Well, it was very cold, it was very wet, but I thought it was a pretty much a fair result. I thought it was well played by both teams, but we started strong, but, I mean, they're a good team, Sheffield United. It wasn't 100% right because we gave them a lot to think about, but they were difficult. We weren't there up front. They had very powerful up front, two players up the front there, so, yeah. A little bit frustrating, I think. I don't know what happened with the sending off, but I think that cost us having no final substitution because, obviously... We already had two substitutions. Keep goes off. Lost the chance to bring someone like Brooks on for the last 20 minutes when you'd equalise. You know what? I don't think a point's a bad result. And I think that I think Chris Wilder will be happy with it. But I think as the game went on, I think we had more and more opportunities to win it. And he'll be a little bit frustrated that we've, we've missed a chance to get two more points. I think we played pretty well. I think the fans were well up for it. We made all the noise. I just think it just just didn't happen for us today. Slightly disappointing, but, you know, the Blades roll on. Come on, the Blades. I think Makotsai's been playing very well. He was playing well, and then we dropped him, and we lost a couple of games, and then he came back against Middlesbrough, and he played really well. And we put in a really good team performance against Middlesbrough, and then he's dropped again. He must wonder, what am I doing to keep getting dropped? I don't understand it. Even though he didn't play that well today. Um, I, I thought there was a lot of missing passes, I think. And I, and, I, and I came to the conclusion in the end because both teams were missing passes that they weren't really sure if the ball was going to run or not at times and um, you know having said that ten years ago the game wouldn't have been played would it it would have been called off we all know we're paying for not getting many points in the first ten games of the season and, and we'll carry on paying for that the problem is, is that when you're at the bottom of the league um, you have the opportunity where two wins will make a big difference when you're at the top of the league and the other teams are winning two wins don't make as big a difference so I can't really see us breaking into it but if you look at the league you know if we'd have got three points today you would say you could argue, you could have argued we were still hanging in there the teams in the top four are done and dusted and then and then you're looking at maybe I, I would still think although Middlesbrough are struggling at the moment still think Middlesbrough will be in the playoffs and then you're looking at will Derby drop out um, possibly as a, as a well, I don't think the, the players have given up because in the first half in particular they look really good up to a certain point um, it went a bit flat towards the end of the first half uh, Sheffield United they didn't give us any space in the second half he obviously got them to close us down a lot quicker we didn't have the space we had we weren't able to dictate the play so much they had quite a few chances um, I, I think uh, Dan Bentley was probably Brentford man of the match he, he, he saved some absolute uh, dead cert goals he got injured in the process once or twice we did, I thought we did alright you know it meant more to Sheffield United in terms of importance so you needed to kind of like get back into that playoff pack and it's, it's, they're probably going to be more disappointed from the game than, than we are to be honest I think that is the best performance I've seen this year certainly right away fantastic all round team performance epitomised at the very end by Flojo playing the last 5-10 minutes on one leg having been cropped by their number 3 well taken go by Mope I'd love to get back to the television and like see that goal line clearance whether that was over or not but all round 100% really really good beast performance what's even better is that we come to Ashton Gate fourth time in a row we've 
stand over Bristol City. We've probably done their playoff aspirations. Now let's on and upwards that we can deal with Fulham and their playoff aspirations soon in a couple of weeks' time. Fantastic result for the Beast. We were absolutely all over them. I cannot believe it was only 1-0. Morpai, though, came on, made all the difference. Great, great game. Great performance, though. The back four were fantastic. We were brilliant across the midfield. The only slight weakness, I thought, was maybe Hopkins could have gone for it a bit more. He looked a bit uncomfortable as a lone forward. But we were fantastic in the midfield and defence. Absolutely best all season. Best away performance is Preston when we outplayed. It was fantastic. Every one of them was fantastic. It was the weakness in the team. The two lads at the back were outstanding. Mepham and, and Egan played like a rock. And I thought the midfield was brilliant. Remain Sawyer's second half was fantastic. And I thought the Morpay redeemed himself. Fantastic goal. He, he shouldn't, we should have won 2-3-0. We're getting better. We're a young team. And I think that Morpay, when he came on, it sharpened him up a bit. And he, he could have had two or three, couldn't he? It was fantastic. And I think Watkins just needs to get a goal to get his confidence. I think it's not far away. That was a wonderful away performance. There was only one team on that pitch today after the first five, ten minutes. It was a complete onslaught. Uh, what a fantastic victory. I mean, it was continued to the end. No let-up, no sitting back. How we did not score more goals, and we know Bristol City's opportunities for promotion a little bit dented today, for at least for the playoff positions. But are we still in it? I don't know. Um, yeah, just just frustrating, really. Frustrating game. We should have gone back to basics. We struggled against Barnsley, Burton. You know, we beat Ipswich 1-0. I would go out of nowhere. It's a, it's a worrying times. It reminds us of all of, of last season when we had a similar terrible run. And, and it seems that, you know, Barnsley fans said the same. Oldham fans said the same. Wherever Lee Johnson is, he seems to have these runs where he struggles to, to, to play any kind of considerably good football. I mean, to be fair, we had 27 shots, as the stats say again. I don't really want to get too stuck in the stats, but we had 27 shots. Not many of them were on target or tested the goalkeeper. But we were getting players in position and having a go at them and getting in position having a, a finding space breaking through and then Maupay came on just had that little bit of time and space just checked inside and a superb little finish there and a good goal and a good deserved three points and uh, showed a lot of character showed a lot of the qualities that we need to show in order to keep the season going so yeah great great result no I, I think we've just got to keep going because we win the next we've got Ipswich and Forest the next two as we were saying we got a good record against Forest away Ipswich I think with McCarthy going are in a little bit of free fall so we can get those two wins and then it's the big games against Fulham and QPR it really sets the season up really and I think those end of season games are really hard to predict because everyone gets nervous teams start dropping points in games that they shouldn't do so you know cliche but we do just have to take every game as it comes and if we can get it down to say the last three games of the season where it's still mathematical then I definitely think we got a chance unlucky unlikely as it is but yeah if we can take it down to those Fulham and QPR games should be a great atmosphere really we got a definitely good, good, good chance again football lesson you play football on the floor it's on the carpet on the floor Allie, 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 oh. Allie, 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 oh. Blades fans Brentford fans Bristol City fans they're talking about the matches over the bank holiday weekend and uh, if anyone's come out happiest out of all them lot it's got to be the Brentford fans because we went to that weekend going ah it's all over playoffs are over all of a sudden we come out the week and go, ah, brilliant, I've got to cancel the holiday they booked on the 7th of May. <laughs> you know, it's a nightmare. 
doesn't matter, which is all good, like you know what I'm saying. The Blades game, Blades came down, Blades were just happy to be there, well, to a certain extent. Um, the fact is that they've had a massive fall from Grace to Glaze. They were up there, they were even top of the league at one stage, but you know, their form has kind of like not been so good recently, and they just kind of almost like seem to be running out of steam a little bit. Came down to Griffin Park on Friday. Tough team, the weather was horrendous, we'll talk about that in a bit. And we found it quite hard against them. And uh, we got a point, we were probably disappointed, but at the end of the day, we were probably quite lucky to get a point. There's a few talking points about that game anyway. And the number one talking point was the sending off of Ryan Woods. Apparently he got sent off because he wasn't tall enough to get the, got the ball off Blackman, the keeper from Sheffield United, who was actually on loan from Chelsea who uh, we thought at the beginning of the season was quite rubbish, but actually apparently he's got a lot better since we played at the beginning of the season. That was, uh, that was some sending off, wasn't it, Lady? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was quite baffling, if I'm honest with you. You know, obviously we'd, we'd seen the goal, we'd seen obviously the Mepham goal go in and we're obviously jumping up and down. And where we stand, we had a really good view of the, um, you know, of what, it was a kerfuffle between the, um, between the goalkeeper, Blackman, and, um, and Ryan Woods. And... Um, Blackman cl- clearly hit Ryan Woods around the head, um, and I and I was watching it, and I, all, all Woods he was doing was trying to get to the ball, and whether he, he you know he hit him in, he, he you know he, he had contact because of that, I don't know, but there was a huge mismatch in the heights of the two, and you know Woods he really just wanted to get on with the game, and that was that was basically it. And it was kind of like basketball, you know what I'm saying? When you've got somebody who's like seven foot nine, you know, and you've got like a sort of five foot person, and you're jumping up trying to hit the ball out of their hand. Absolutely, yeah. It's like, it's like playing football with, um, you know, a toddler. You know, it's just like you've got a ball and they can't reach it. And, you, you know, you just, you know, you, know, you wind them up. And, but Woodsy wasn't, there was no intent there. He, he wasn't trying to, he was just trying to get on with the game because, you know, with, with, you know, with a decent amount of time to go, Brentford could have gone on and, and won that. And, um, you know, I think it's too, you know, with that and I think the, the pitch really didn't help us that day. I think the, the, the pitch was sticky because it just didn't stop raining. It lashed down the, the, the whole afternoon. So, um, so yeah. You know, that was, that was the biggest talking point. I think Woodsy's hard done by. Not quite sure why we didn't appeal it. So, so, so Toddler Woods, are you, you calling him? Tod- toddler Woods? Not, not Tiger Woods. Toddler Woods. Yeah. Toddler Woods. So Toddler Woods had a bit of a... Um, he had a bit of a bit, bit of short shrift, as they say. He, he, he got it hard against the, um, the Blades on Saturday. So he's, he's, he's out for three games as well, which we'll come back and we'll talk about that in a little bit, which is not good. But um, that sending off... Uh, I know you sort of stand sort of near to us. Did you have a good view of that sending off? And what are your thoughts? Because at the end of the day, I suppose that if you go to strike someone, which we're not saying that Woodsy did, the referee says, oh, if you went to strike someone, you've got to go and get sent off. Now, um, I didn't think Woodsy... I didn't see it beforehand, and I was baffled. When I saw it on the TV, I saw Woodsy try to get the ball, and it kind of went near his face. But I thought, you know, that's going to be a little bit hard push to say that's a striking. What did you think? Yeah, I think I think Laney's hit it, hit the nail on the head. I mean, uh, Woodsy's just keen to g- get on with it, really. Just get hold of the ball and get back and get get on with the game. You know, we we were chasing the game at that point. We got back on level terms and we just wanted to get on and, and try and win the game. And you know, the keeper's been a bit of a, a male genital, for want of a, a better phrase. Um, he's held the ball above his head. Woodsy's just just determined to get the ball back. Um, you know, the keeper's definitely caught Woodsy around the face, so that's a red card offence. I didn't see Woodsy do anything 
that was a red card offence in my book. All he was trying to do, he might have raised his hand, but purely to get hold of the ball. And why, why we haven't appealed it, I've no idea. Again, and again, the inquiry hasn't gone in as to the appeal. Maybe the appeal has gone in. Um, one of the things is obviously because it's bank holiday, you know, you can't put an appeal over the bank holiday. So maybe the appeal's gone in today or they're making a decision now as to whether or not they're going to appeal it. But by the time that happens, you know, all the games will be sort of kind of, he'd have played loads of games. But anyway, the pitch, horrible. I'll tell you something, it's a horrible, horrible day. You know, it was a family day or it was a, a primary school day, so we had loads of kids that come down. So they dragged their dads down, who'd probably never been down to Brentford before. I saw a mate of mine who doesn't even like football, and he posted up going, oh my God, it's such a horrible day today. I mean, we played football, and, 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 and why don't these football grounds have, have covers that cover the whole of the stand? And I was thinking, you could tell, you obviously don't go to football very much, but it was a horrible, windy, grey, wet day, and the pitch was a little bit quagmire-ish. We managed to play football on it, but it wasn't the type of football we were going to play in, and it probably played into Sheffield United's hands to a certain extent, didn't it? Oh, oh definitely. You know, the pitch was the pitch was horrible. There was there were puddles everywhere, and um, it was a horrible pitch. But the good thing was Chris Meppen did a great slide when he scored. Uh, he probably wouldn't be able to do that if the pitch had uh, been as dry. But yeah. So you think he did the rain dance before the game, then? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. But going back to the uh, the Woodsy situation, I mean, I, I didn't see it at all. Um, you know, the, the, the only hint I got was when he was walking, because, you know, where I sit in the paddock, I couldn't see it, and me and my old man, we couldn't see it. And we only saw the keeper being sent off, and we thought we, we, we got away with it. But, yeah, poor Woodsy. But, yeah, the pitch didn't help. I think had the, had the pitch not have been as bad, we probably could have got a cheeky 2-1 victory, I reckon. OK, but the question I'm going to say to you, listen, it's a, a nine-month season and what you want to do it. You know, copyright. Sorry, it's copyright, Laney. <laughs> it's a nine-month season, copyright, Laney. Um, you, you've got to play all styles of football. You've got to play there's all sorts of team. You need to have a plan A and a plan B. You know, we've had certain managers come in who've only had a plan A, but we realise you've got to always have a plan B. I think Dean Smith has learned that, <laughs> the idea of having a plan B. Is this choking? Yeah. Theresa May moment. Yeah, the Theresa May actually, you know. No, no, I know there's all things. Are, the, the, the letters are falling off the walls behind me as well. But um, you know, but that's the <coughs> that's the way it goes. But you need to have a plan B, uh, as, as, as we say. Um, so you so you need to be able to play against all sorts of different teams and all sorts of different styles. And listen, we're great at playing our wicked passing football, passing the ball around to people who are absolutely dazzled. But in a match like this, you know, we need to be able to adapt. And do you think that we adapted well to those conditions, or do you think we were like a little bit like let's just get this game over and done with and let's play Bristol City because they play football a little more like us and it's not going to be as wet? No, I think it was just unlucky, really. You know. Um, it, it, it literally just poured down. I don't, you know, Brentford like a wet pitch. They watered the pitch, but I mean, ten minutes before each half. Um, I, no, I, I just think the, the, the ball started to hold up slightly a, a couple of times. It didn't get as, it didn't get to the stage where the referee would probably want you know want to want to call on the blotters or just trying to. But does that help Sheffield United? Is what I'm saying because yeah, they play a more well, direct game. They put the ball over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it probably does. You know, you know, we we play our football in ideal circumstances, our ideal conditions. 
that was it wasn't ideal for us. But so do we have to? So do we have to change it? Do we have to have to adapt? Is what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know. You, adapt, you tried to adapt against was it not, not Cardiff after Cardiff? We went a little bit tougher. Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think you can adapt. You can. I don't think you can like have a plan B for the conditions. I think you, you can have a plan B for the opponents. But every now and again, the, you know, the weather's going to throw a curveball in there, and you, you know, it's just the way it is, mate. But if, okay. But the reason I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask you that, that, that you know, that, that, you know, um, Damo. And the reason why I'm asking this is that you say you can't plan for the conditions, but if at the end of the day we cannot pass the ball, because every time we pass the ball, it gets caught up in the water and then it stops, so we're not passing, do we actually maybe have to play the ball a little bit longer? Do we have to play a different style of football? You know, Do we actually have to change the fact that actually we can't play this passing game and, and maybe have the tools within our kit to change the style of football we're playing? I, I, I think actually, when you when uh, thinking back to that game, I think we were we were quite wasteful, and I, I'm not sure you can entirely blame the conditions for that. There were quite a lot of misplaced passes. We just didn't click that day, and you know you, you get games like that. So I think I, I think the, the conditions are a bit of a, a lazy excuse. I, I don't think we can use that. I, th- I think I think we had a good team out on the day, and it just didn't it didn't click for us that day, and we got a draw out of it, and that's fine. There's definitely an argument to make that when things don't go your way, whether it be the pitch or ascending off, that you need to be able to change your tactics. But a point against a very good Sheffield United team is not bad. And, and Bentley made a couple of good saves. So a point, yeah, take it, you know. People like our players, it seems. People are starting to get wind that Brentford are actually reasonably decent at what they do. Um, they laugh at our sort of scouting. They... The, the jokes are out saying that we, we, we have computers to go and find players. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, but now... It doesn't, yeah, it's cool, man, but we just carried on doing our thing. And now, like I said to you, you know, we had Chris Meppham who came out of our youth team and, um, you know, within 12, 12 games, he had Eddie Howe put in 8 million bid for him. We turned that down. Um, and Eddie Howe's been there, you know, quite a few times. And on Saturday again, apparently Eddie... Oh, Friday, Eddie Howe was at Griffin Park again, as well as there's a few other people at Griffin Park which is kind of good for us because it just goes to show us that we're obviously doing something right. They, 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 they like it, you know, they always compliment the football that we play, but also compliment the fact that we bring players through. That's kind of a good thing, but it's also a bad thing because at the end of the day, what we're now thinking, we're thinking, Chris Met, we seem to have got our defence almost sorted now, but we're going to be probably losing him in the summer. You know, if Man United or, you know, whoever it is in the Premier League coming for him, we're going to find it very hard if somebody bids eight, 15, 18 million pounds for him, you know, and gives us 25%, you know, sell-on clause. We're going to find it very difficult to say no. And it gets quite frustrating that it does for me anyway. Eddie Howe's been to Brentford more times than some Brentford fans I could mention. Liberal. So, um, yeah, so he's, he's become a, a regular, regular part of the, like, the Braemore Road D block, he's he's obviously keen on on on, on Chris Meppham. Um, he needs to he needs to kind of wangle some serious money out of his out of his board. It's Russian people, um, yeah. owners. Yeah, exactly. So he's, he you know he's he's doing his due diligence. Let's put it that way. You know, if you if you'd have seen him at Bristol City as well, you know he looked world class that day. Chris Meppham is is something special, and you know I hope he's there for a, for a, for the you know for a foreseeable <laughs> bill. But 
you know, may, maybe maybe we get maybe we get the first first half of next season out of him as well. But you know, he's going to go for some serious serious money. Mepham Mepham is, you know, he's going to go to the very top. So, so I mean, it's good good news and bad news for Brentford. You know, hopefully, like I said to you, for me, you know, we're going for the playoffs now. But we also, to certainly extent, if we don't get the playoffs, we need to keep as much of this team together as we can to next year and that's always the difficulty in the summer we'll probably be talking about that in the next few weeks to come but let's go to the City game the first point I'll have about that game because I had a pretty good view of this game let me say and a 27 to 2 is what we say what's that you say 27 shots to 2 Bristol City shots and uh, of those 2 Bristol City shots none of them are on target so we had 27 shots I can't remember how many we had on target but irrelevant because we scored one goal um, which is good enough for that. Um, uh, but the funny, also the funny stat, because also the stat that's also come in, which is quite, quite big at the moment now, is the expected goals. And Bristol City had a expected goal of a massive 0.0, which uh, for any statisticians out there, they're probably um, it, it's it's quite bad actually. It's probably as bad as you can ever get. It means yeah. Nothing worse than that. There's nothing worse than that. It means you 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 and with all the chances that you had. You had no chance of actually scoring any goals. Uh, how many percentage is that? Uh, about seventy-four percent. You know what I'm saying? Which is, you know, which is not too bad of that. But um, that's what it is for Bristol City. But like I said, twenty-seven points to two. Now everyone will turn around and know, you know, you guys. I mean, you talk about that game, and let me let me come back to you because I know everyone's raving about Brentford. Absolutely fantastic possession. My Bristol City mate was messaging me, going, "I can't believe you guys are all over us. You should be smashing us three, four, five nil." I mean, it was good, wasn't it? It was it was very good, um, but equally we could be sitting here tonight being really frustrated and really kind of scratching our heads, going, "How the hell didn't we?" Um, you know, yeah, 20, of, of 27 shots on goal, obviously. Oh, 27 shots, not all of them on goal. Okay, well, you, you you would hope you would score more than one, um, but we we scored the one that mattered really, and that you know that gave us the bragging rights against Bristol City again that we really, the, the, the style of play and the way we came at them wave after wave was just brilliant to watch. It was one of those games where I think, I think the players knew, they, they, they could smell that the game was there, that the opposition were um, there for the taking. They were confident that they were superior to them in, 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 every, in every way. And, and that's how it proved to be. And, and you know, I, I, as I said to you just a second ago, if we hadn't have got that more paid goal, we would have been sitting there pulling our hair out, going, why the bloody hell did we not win that game? But, you know, ultimately, that one goal really let us off the hook because, you know, it was it was far from immaculate up top. It was immaculate pretty much everywhere else. We did we played them off the park. I'd say it's probably the best, it was certainly the best away performance this side of the new year. So that stat of 27 to 2, I seem to remember early, right at the beginning of the season, and quite topical with Ipswich coming up this Saturday, that we had a similar kind of ratio there, and yet we lost 2 0. They had two shots on goal, and they scored them both, and we had 27. Was that Cardiff, you mean? No, I think it was Ipswich. It was right at the start of the season when Ipswich had that, that ridiculous start that everyone knew was a flash in a pan and wouldn't last. But, you know, we, we totally dominated there. Similar kind of ratio of stats, and, and yet we came away with a 2-0 defeat. So it's nice, at least, that this that now, as we're coming into the kind of business end of the season, that we are getting the results and we're getting, you know, we're getting the... the we're, we're making it count, as it were. To be fair, I was saying I was saying to my old man as we were driving up the M4, I'm really worried about this game. But then 
after about the third wave of attack in the second half, thought we're definitely going to get a goal. I'm not sure when we're going to get this goal, but we'll definitely get a goal. And it's, um, yeah, as, as kind of been said before, it's a shame we didn't get any more. Um, but, you know, we left with all three points and that's the main thing. And considering the, the run that Bristol have been and the season they've had, to go to Ashton Gate and get three points, it's amazing. And, you know, we were so good in that second half. Just the constant waves of attack and, you know, it, it was great. Really good second I mean, for me, I saw the game. It's interesting because I saw the game obviously live, and I also saw it sober as well. So, I, I, you know, I watched that game, and I have to admit, I thought we were good. But I also was really, actually, quite disappointed because I thought that we were. It was it's quite tight to start off with. We were doing all the right things, and it was very tight, you know, as in to try and make the break. But then afterwards, we sort of grew into the game. We grew more and more and more into the game, and as we became more and more dominant, it's one of those things where you sort of think, why? Why can't we just have this sort of kind of angry, nasty edge to us where we go bang and we finish them off because we were doing all the brilliant things, but up front, you know, we just needed to smash the ball in the back of the net, you know, and, and it sounds like, ooh, just smash the ball in the back of the net, but it was just one of those things where I was getting really frustrated because we should have been three or four goals up, but we it's just always like tried to be a little bit too overly intricate sometimes and the shots that we have you know they were good but they could have been better or stronger or more difficult what I did think though is interesting is that when Malpay came on because he's been getting a load of abuse um, recently from people and thinking he's not good enough not you know he's only division one level at the best but he changed the game and when he came on you can see what he does he's actually quite strong you know when he you see all the defenders they're like what do we do with this guy what do we do with this guy he um he holds them off he makes these moves, you know, he's a, he's a right pain in the arse. And I just, you could see there's a, there was a different injection when he came on. There was a different passion. There was just, he's, he, this aggressive thing that they talk about, you could just see it. And they found it really, really, really difficult to deal with. And he's probably unlucky. He should have had a, well, he should have had a, had a couple of goals at least, if, if not more. And he's only on for, for 20 minutes. Yes, this is where the substitutions come into their own. It's, like, it's deciding when is, is the right time to introduce someone like Morpay. You know, he's clearly, um, this season at least, you know, we'll see what happens next year. This season at least, I think he's better to come off the bench when um, the rest of the players have softened up the, uh, the defence a little bit. You know, we, it was wave after wave of, after, of attack from Brentford. And they were literally hanging on by the skin of their teeth. You know, let's, let's not forget Bristol City. They, they, they're, they're, they're quite experienced this year. They've, they've had, you know, they've had a, a game against uh, Man United, which they won. Uh, two games against Bristol, um, Man, Man City, which they've, um, you know, they quitted themselves really well. They've beaten three or four other Premiership teams in, in that run. They're, they're no mugs, mate. And for, for us to take the game to them and have them, have them pen back in their area for pretty much the whole half second half in particular so that it was it was like the introduction of Morpay who had that extra bit of energy and aggression and it, it, it you know another another game as well he would have taken that one touch too far and and hit it against the defender's legs this time he took it what we thought was one step too far and he smashed it in the bottom corner so, uh, but this is and this is I think this is where the interesting point and this is where I think Brentford fans are going to be questioning because you mentioned the fact that Malpay's better when he comes. I think Malpay, as he comes as a super sub, he's brilliant because he, he terrifies defenders. You know, uh, unfortunately, when Canos has been coming on recently, we love him to bits, but he hasn't done the terrifying as much as we like to. But Malpay does that as a sub. Now I'm just sort of thinking, listen, we're in this league. And we're going to talk in a minute about the playoffs and all the other teams around that. But 
we're so close and Phil Giles was on our radio show if you listen to the podcast on uh, besotted.com forward slash audio and then go to our radio show I think last week Phil Giles talks about where he thinks we actually should be this season and he normally doesn't sort of kind of beat around the bush and he said before round oh yeah we should be 10 for 11 but he said easily in the top six but you know unfortunately for various reasons we're not but as a team he's obviously looking at the teams in and around them the top six you're talking about Derby County you're talking about your boroughs all these other teams and he's obviously saying we could we can match these teams we can easily match these teams but for various reasons we haven't done I find it really frustrating how we're sitting here in 11th and I'm thinking we can actually match these guys and what is the difference it is about taking these chances. We're creating millions of chances. We're not taking them. Now, if we've got £150 million, which we'll get if we go to the Premier League, and I'm just sort of saying this now, would you turn around and say, actually, look, you know, you put a man in that team, which might go against what we normally do. We normally buy somebody who's 18 years old and get him to develop for a few years and he's worth a lot more. But if we're saying, tell you something, what we just need is this one cog in there which is going to smack the ball in the back of the net. And we've got Malpay and we've got, we got all the other guys. We've got Ollie Watkins everything else as well. And we get kind of somebody else to smack the ball in the back of the net. That'll do it for us. Because if we do that, the chances of us going up might be actually slightly higher. You know what I'm saying? So you put them on for 40, 50, 60 minutes. Somebody bangs the ball in the back of the net, you believe it. And I know you say it's easier said than done. But, you know, I just look at, you know... Actually, I wasn't going to say it's easier said than done. I was going to say... How much? How much are you going to pay him a week? Because, because like Jermaine Defoe's that man, you know, or Kevin Phillips was that man. People, but you're going to pay him. You're going to pay him forty grand a week. I don't. I don't. It, it, it's not. It's not the what. Because once you've done that, you've got a queue of players outside your office, all wanting something similar, even if it's half. So then your average, your average wage bill goes from. 10, 12, 14, whatever it is, to 20, 21, 22. And then you've, you've, you've busted it. Or, 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 OK, I'm just, just throwing this into the pot. Or do you bring them in on, I don't know, on loan? I don't know. And then, I mean, somebody might turn around and say, well, will you be able to get a loan player? So the loan player is there for a, a temporary period of time. They're in there for three or four months. They're there to do a job. You, you, you know, you believe that they're going to help you to do the job. You know, I'm just I'm just throwing it into the pot. Well, I think you know you've got to hope that the DOFs there, who, who you know they've got they've got no they, got, they haven't got anything to answer at the moment. You know they pr- they proved that they've got the knowledge and they proved they've got the ability to bring in the next generation. Yeah, I guess if, you know, as fans we want it both ways, and then hopefully they're going to find it both ways. They're going to find. But the, but the difficult I'm just not interested. But the difficulty is that the next generation keep bloody getting poached as soon as they get half decent Mepham's probably going to go in the summer poached you're back onto the eggs again That's Bill right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, no, yeah but, but we, we so we need is it is it is it Marcus Force is it is it do, you know do we need to go dip into the B team looking for those goals or are you saying you know we, we, we can't compete with the, with the proven goal scorers in any of those two top divisions they're all going to be going for 40 grand a week you know that we, we're not. We're not. That's not the way it's going to happen. I, I, I get the temptation, Bill. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going. That's not. The, that's not the route. This is not a disrespect on any of our players. What we're saying is, this, putting everybody into the pot and uh, and then. Defend. But listen, we're going to come on to this in a minute. But we need to talk about the playoffs because at the moment now, we were no playoffs, and then all of a sudden now we're full of playoff activity. We're thinking, oh my god, this is very close. But there's a massive pack closing in on the playoffs, and. Uh, Basically, there's four, there's four spots which are, to me, they're gone. Four spots, so there's four spots that are gone, promotional playoffs. 
But to me, there's two spots to play for. Everyone says it's one, but up to me, there's two. Derby counter in fifth place with 65 points and Borough in sixth place with 63 points. Then below them is Bristol City with 62, Millwall with 62, the Blades with 62, Peony with 60 and us with 58 um, and 11th. Okay, so that's where it's at. So if you're looking at that, to me, it's all the way up to Derby on 65, which sounds like a long way, but it's 58, 59, 60 and five or seven points between us and Derby in fifth place. I thought for no chance but all of a sudden when you start looking at the fixtures that some of these guys have got I mean somebody pointed it out to us the other day and it's absolutely mad you know you've got teams like you know Derby they're playing Villa Borough Cardiff and Wolves as part of their last six games and also you've got Millwall and Millwall are playing Sheffield United Fulham Borough and Bristol City in their last six games as well even though Millwall seems to be beating everyone at the moment now you know so there's things going on inside there which makes you think hold on a second in paper we've probably got the easiest running that means nothing again with Fulham being quite difficult and QPR you know local derby as well but you know you're looking at this scenario something anything could change within the next few weeks so with the playoffs we even though we've got a completely and utterly outside chance derby with their record of choking there may be some sort of massive chokeability going on I mean don't you think Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, um, if we, you know, if we go on the six-game unbeaten run and something happens, you know, a derby or Middlesbrough choke, there's definitely a chance of us getting in there. Whether I'm going to have to say, if we go on a six-game unbeaten run, we're, we're up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, 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 we're up. But we're in, we're in playoffs, and we'll probably go up because you're on a run, and that's it. You know. Um, it, the chance of us going on a six-game unbeaten run is probably very unlikely, but you never know. And if we we do, then you just got to just jump around, and at the last game of the season, the whole game, we'll be we'll be having loads of beers. <laughs> definitely, you know. But I mean, you know, football is such a strange game; anything can happen. You know, there's definitely games that we've got that are a lot win- that are winnable. You know, and if we can win those games and something happens, who knows? You know, the playoffs is definitely not out of the question. Um, it's a massive it's a massive ask, isn't it? But. Trust me. If, if if we make the if we make the playoffs, if we sneak in, then I'm gonna stick I'm gonna stick my neck out. I reckon we'll, we'll do it. This will finally be the year that we actually win the playoffs. So that's that's. I think, I think there's no denying that. If we if we go on a run, if we we we're with an informed team, and then everyone will be scared to play us. Be the craziest thing that's ever happened in my life if, if this happens now. But five points. Well, other than us going on a run at the end of the season and then, then pipping Birmingham to the post on the last day of the season. Yeah, but that, this is this is for different, all kinds of a different prize. This is this is on a different level in terms of magnitude of what it is we're we're playing for now. Um, I can't I can't quite see it. I feel like I'm being slightly teased every time I've every time every time I've I've written the season off. Um, they, they kind of pull out a couple of results and it, and it makes it tangible again. I, I think we're always going to be just one or two points short, even if things go well. And I, I'm, I'm really, I'm just really after that top ten finish, if I'm honest with you. But I'd be a mug if I, if I didn't think that we're good enough. We are, we're clearly good enough, but I think we just left it a little bit too. It's too much to do, probably. We could always maybe ask the football league to chop off those first nine games of the season, maybe. Yeah, probably. You know, know let's probably do it. Don't you think they do it? A Fulham, a Fulham points deduction would be quite nice now. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll come on. Yeah, yeah, we're going up. <laughs> okay, just listen, and also listen. We're also going to talk about. Um, obviously, Ryan Woods got sent off against 
Sheffield United. We had the uh, Camo, the Kochko. He came on as well during the game, and he, he had an all right game against them. But then against Bristol City, uh, I mean, everyone had a very good game there. But Kochko was a fantastic. He had a really, really good game. Bristol City mate was messaging me going, "You're number 12." You know, Makochko, he's, he's one hell of a player, you know. Now, again, we don't want to be looking at, but we've also got to be looking over our shoulder the whole time. Woodsy, you know, everyone's been talking about him for ages. Is he going to be here in the summer? You know, what's he going to be there? What's happened to him? Is that the team? And, and it, it, it's nice to know that, you know, we've got alternatives within the side. And Makochko, he took a little bit of time, as they all do, to kind of get used to the game, get used to the English game and everything like that. But he looks like he's really coming up to speed now, and he's looking like he's looking like quite class. He's not, he's definitely not the bruiser that we thought he is. He's going to be going around beating everybody up, but he's strong. He can hold on to the ball. He holds the ball up, but also he, he can pick out a pass, can't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's he's come on leaps and bounds. I, mean, I was really impressed with him in pre-season. Um, he's been sort of in and out of the team, obviously, because there's been a lot of competition for places. But he's impressed me, and I think he's only going to get better with time. And that's that's great to know. With Woodsy potentially, you know, potentially being on his way, maybe this summer, maybe next next uh, January transfer window. Who knows? But you know, it's it's good to know that we've got someone like Kochko. Definitely, you know. And I think you know if we can keep hold of certain players, you know, if we can keep hold of like Morpay and Woods and. and uh, and Bentley, you know, there's nothing to say next season we can go for it, you know. I think people tend to forget that this is more pace first season and people have kind of written off kind of straight away. And, you know, to come over from France, which is a very different league to, to the championship, and, you know, to still score, you know, a load of goals is, is good. And if we can keep hold of him, and, you know, he's got that experience and that's, that's what we need. And, you know, yeah, and we can crack on for next season. You know, we've learned from what happened at the beginning of this season. A lot of those players will hopefully have learned what happened. And we can use that to advantage next season and playoffs next season. It just shows you what a kind of a selection of great players that we've got to to compete for Woodsy. Woodsy's slot. Woodsy, I, I think he's always my, one of my first names on the team sheet. So, you know, it goes without saying that he's obviously going to be missed. But I'm looking at, you know, we've got McEachran, McCocho, we've got Sawyers, Reese Cole, McLeod, we've got Zane Westbrook. We've got all those kind of players. I'm not, you know, they're not, they're not like for likes. But this is, this is what I'm saying. This is, this is, this is, this is what Dean Smith's got to can. This is what he's got to, you know, he's got to juggle. He's got to keep all these players fit. He's got to keep all these players motivated and and turned on. And you've got, you've got to give them game time. So, you know, ultimately, someone's got to go at some stage. And uh, you know, I, I don't want to see Zane Westbrook wasted away. I don't want to see Reese Cole wasted away. I think these these guys have got massive potential to become really good players for Brentford. So you know, I, I think you know we're we're in for some big decisions. DLFs and 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 uh, and Dean Smith they've got they've got to decide what they want for next season. I mean, you know, I think we, we kind of panicked when Jota went to Birmingham. You know, there was a big panic, but I think. There's that there's that uh, structure that if a player like a big player goes like Jota or whoever, we've got someone who can step up and take that take that uh, that lead. You know, it happened with um, you know, it ha- it's happened and it will happen again. It is, and, and again, I'm not. This is like, listen, I'm not saying this on a disrespect fingers. Birmingham are. I'll talk about Birmingham <laughs> a little bit now, but they're where they are now, and we do. I, I, I'm just questioning whether or not you know. If we're at Jota in our side at the moment now, you know, just looking at the way, and this is not disrespecting him because I think he's a wicked player, but 
as he comes off the bench, we've got um, uh, Sergi Kanzov comes off the bench, but you've got Hotto is the main man on that wing. If he was inside there being the creative player who's actually taking players on, whether or not we might be in a slightly different position than we are now. I mean, I know we could say bygones be bygones, but it's just, it's just these, it's almost like a fine thing because that's only just one player one player who might actually make the difference between us being where we are now and good results and playing the ball around and maybe scoring an extra five or six or seven goals. Can I be a little bit controversial? Can I say it's actually nothing to do with Jota leaving? I'd actually say if Canos had had a better season, then we may have had a few more points. And that's not balling him out because I've got a lot of love for him. He is a brilliant player for us and he's, you know, I don't think he's had a great season for Brentford this year. I think he will do next year. I want, him, I want him at our club and I want him in our starting lineup. I just think he's fallen a little bit short of where he probably would want to be as well, if he's honest. And uh, we talk about Birmingham City because we don't like talking about them, but we, 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 we <laughs> yeah, will do every now and again. We will do every now and again. Um, Arlie Dean's obviously come up with his comments yet again. He, you know, Arlie Dean's obviously not happy after. Uh, after we, we beat them up at Birmingham and then we beat them down there and um, and the, and the playing songs on the tannoy and uh, Birmingham fair play to them it's a Tuesday night big game they went up to Bolton took 5,000 fans up to Bolton and um, Harley Dean's on, um, on if you go into the Birmingham City Twitter and uh, the Birmingham City website he's got an interview on there saying you know the atmosphere is is, is as, 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 as big as he's ever seen he's never seen anything like it he goes I mean I come from Brentford so I've never seen anything like this atmosphere Obviously, forgetting the fact that we took 6,000 fans to Fulham uh, in the 4-1 defeat where it was bees up Fulham down and it was absolutely tremendous. But listen, at the end of the day, each to their own. But listen, we'll forget about talking about him and we will move on because we've got plenty of other things to talk about, especially Dean Smith. Because Dean Smith, who is from the Midlands, we've got a team from the Midlands who allegedly is meant to be sniffing around our manager. So let's talk about that in just a second. So things happen when you actually play decent football, when you sort of play teams of the park, when you get these teams with big budgets come down and all of a sudden they're like, oh no, we've been embarrassed. Like Aston Villa, Middlesbrough, Leeds United. Then you get the rumours flying around that people are going to pinch your manager and we've had a few of them happening. Every time we play Villa they go, oh he's from Birmingham, he supports Villa, can't we just take him back home with us? And we say no things are different now we've got West Brom who are pretty much relegated from the Premier League so they begin coming down to the championship next season with a big wad of that ridiculous parachute money you know the basically the money that they give you for being a failure so that you can compete against everybody else but you've got more money than them but we won't go into that that's another conversation um, because most of the teams that actually have that parachute money, like Sunderland, still don't seem to know how to use it properly, so they go down again. So, anyway, the point is, West Brom, the rumours are flying around from somewhere, don't know where they've come from, that they're after Dean Smith. Dean Smith actually has signed a new contract with Brentford only probably about a month ago. So he's under contract for us for ages. So if they want him, it needs to be by mutual consent. And if he does go, they have to give us a whole load of money. But the question has been flying around because Brentford fans have been going, oh my God, Dean Smith, they're after him. Should he go? Should he not go? And it's actually got quite a lot of conversation going, Laney. Yeah, there's a lot of conversation going on on Twitter and Facebook. And 
probably let's let's cut let's cut through all of the conversation. We'll speak about a bit of it in a minute. I give some give some views from Twitter. But um, the Allard, who's not here tonight, he, he rightly pointed out um, at last knockings that what is it that West Brom are actually after? If they're after a manager, if they're after our manager, well, we haven't got one. We've got a head coach, and our head coach is part of our system. So unless West Brom are going to come and buy our whole system, Dean Smith's part in that is is questionable. Now, or, or they need a system themselves. Yeah, no, already. So, so he says, right, why don't you come back and ask for Dean Smith when you've got your system sorted out? Because basically what West Brom have been doing for the last three, four, five years is that they're on this managerial merry-go-round. So it works, it doesn't work, sack someone. It, it works for a bit, well done. They go off like, you know... They go off to manage England, like Roy Hodgson did, um, and then you're back in this free-fall situation. So basically, you know, we need to also remember and calibrate our minds as to what Dean Smith is at Brentford. And this isn't to undermine him. He could probably flip it and be a manager again, where he's the one that's in control, in charge of recruiting players and looking, you know, he takes more of a hands-on approach. At the moment... You know, he's part of this Brentford machine. Now, I, I'm not sure that he's ready to move or leave Brentford Football Club yet. I think he'd be genuinely excited. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a great bloke. He's a very intelligent guy. He's still relatively young. He's, very, he's obviously ambitious. But we've got, we got a new stadium on the horizon. We've got, a, we've got um, you know, DOFs that are finding players that are, you know, just head and shoulders above most in this division. So I, I'm not sure he'll be tempted to go there. That's, that's, you know, that's my opinion. I mean, it's interesting and it's got a lot of uh, varied opinions on social media. You know, some people are being, you know, pragmatic about it. And, they, you, know, you know, there's people like, you know, um, Antonio O'Hare. On, on Facebook, he said, you know, he left Warsaw to manage at a higher level. Why wouldn't he consider a club who are coming down from the Premier League? He's got a higher wage bill and increased finances. It could be a genuine chance for him to manage in the top flight. I hope he stays with us. He wouldn't blame if West Bromwich came calling. I'm saying, you know, I expect our board will all have, will already have a plan in place if or whenever he was to leave, you know. And then other people say, you know, West Brom, they'll overlook him for a big name like Nigel Pearson, the old managerial merry-go-round. Damo, your thoughts? So I'm not surprised. Um, I'm not surprised West Brom, are, you know, the West Brom fans and, and, and the press in the in the Midlands are talking about him. I mean, he's he's done great things for us, um, and obviously he's from he's from that neck of the woods. But I mean, it, it, you know, you've got to wonder whether really that that's the kind of job that would appeal to him. I mean, West Brom obviously they are virtually down. I mean, it's only a matter of time, surely. Um, but I think, you know, it's a totally different prospect going up there. I mean, Brentford have been very careful to pick players, to, to buy in players that fit, you know, that have the right attitude and, and don't have that ego. He's not going to get that at West Brom. You know, you've got quite a few egos to manage and it's a totally different ball game as far as, you know, you know his day-to-day job would be. Um, and I think he'd, he'd, he'd probably think very carefully about that, regardless of what sort of money's on the table. It's interesting you say that. I'm going to read out a comment from Chris Beasley, the Bolton B, who said actually, this time last year, Simon Grayson left Preston to go to Sunderland, who he thought was perceived as the bigger club. Now Preston are in without a shout of the playoffs, and Sunderland are favourites for relegation, and Grayson is in League One with Bradford City. 
Not a good move by Brayson. I'm sure Dean Smith will have seen what happened and will take that into consideration. The man. Yeah, I mean, you know, the grass isn't always green on the other side. You know, you've only got to look at what happened to Warburton and Uze Rosola. You know, they they left us to go to bigger bigger clubs, and it all kind of ended in tears. So, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I can't see him, um, Dean Smith, going up to West Brom. You know, as as Laney said, there's so much going on at Brentford with the new stadium and the new the players that we bring in. You know, there's why would you want to sacrifice that just for just for a bit for a big payday and you know and there's no guarantee that West Brom will go necessarily go up you know West Brom will want to go up ne- straight away next season and you know Dean Smith yes he's a great manager but he's got no real experience of getting teams promoted straight away I mean I so, don't necessarily agree with the, 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 the experience about getting teams promoted straight away I think what's more important is your infrastructure around you and I think this is what Mark Warburton has found when he's left Brentford to go elsewhere you know, I think they may have actually um, not taken into consideration what was going on around him. What was what you know, the, 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 the free kick coach and, and, and the system and, and, and the really really solid um, base that Brentford had has been building for three or four or five years has put us into really good stead. So Dean Skip is slot in and out. What well, the next manager could do as well. And I think that some people will turn around to us and say, actually. I didn't realise what was going on at Brentford was actually really good, but now looking at Sunderland, now looking at Derby County, now looking at Birmingham City, all these teams who are meant to be bigger than us, what's going on around there is not working at all, and maybe you know we're actually the template for where clubs should be. Leaving Brentford's a really good way to get into football punditry. Um, you know, you, you, you look at Uwe, he's on the telly quite a bit now, Warburton is, is, is trawled up now. It, uh, you know, that's not, I'm not taking the piss out of these players, um, out of these ex-managers, but really, you know, I think that they thought their stock was higher than it than it actually was. I think they, uh, I don't think they they paid enough respect really to what was going on around them. I don't think Dean Smith's got that ego. Um, I don't know him well. Um, the times I've met him, he seems to be a very normal guy. Uh, I, I obviously, you know, as I said earlier, I think he's clearly ambitious, but. I think he, he must be really co- comfortable and confident in his place and in his, in his stature at Brentford. Uh, the DOFs and the, the owner, they, they really rate him. You know, there were times when he was wobbling and he was, he was struggling in, 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 in his runs and there was never a hint that they were going to get rid of him. Some of the, players, some of the um, fans were starting to, you know, to lose their nerve. But never once was there a, a hint that we were going to get rid of Dean Smith. So I, I think Dean Smith should be really buoyed by that. And, you know, how, what better thing to have on your CV than taking Brentford to the Premier League? And I think he stands a good chance of that. You know, rather than maybe a good year, maybe two years at West Brom. And they're going to sack him eventually. You know, he's, he's always going to be doing something wrong. Listen, I mean, we're going to be talking about this a lot more. We've got a radio show, as you probably know, Love Sport Radio, which is 558 on the AM dial in London, but also it's at lovesportradio.com, and it's on the DAB, it's on the digital, and we're on there Thursday night, 9 till 10 o'clock. We'll be discussing D. Smith even more. If you want to come on and talk about it, new manager, should he be there, should he not be, what should we be doing? Should we be playing loads of money to try and keep him? Is he not going to go to West Brom? Is he going to go to West Ham? You know, what's going to be going? What's, what's, what's going to be going down with these people? Talk to that on our radio show on Love Sport Radio. Damo. Yeah, I mean, well, a final word on, on, on Dean Smith. I mean, I think he, he is, he, he's done extremely well over the, uh, what, the two and a half years he's been with us. 
Um, he, I, I remember this time last year, just before that Burton game, where we, we had that incredible comeback from 3-1 down at half-time to win it 5-3. I remember... I mean, remember Matthew Benham coming out and, and absolutely giving him his full backing and, and was said how happy he was. And I know there was a lot of discontent amongst the fans. I, I questioned it myself, I must admit. I, I wasn't sure, but he's proven me wrong. And he, he, he's clearly a safe pair of hands and he's clearly respected by the players. I hear that time and time again in interviews with players. So, I mean, it's interesting you say that as well. And, you know, the last word on Dean Smith. I mean, Dave Harris on, on Facebook as well. You know, he said it's a worry and hopefully West Brom will stick with the same old dinosaurs on the managerial merry-go-round. Presumably, and it's interesting, this is the conversation that's gone around a bit, presumably our succession plan will be Thomas Frank if he were to be tempted away. Now, we know that Thomas Frank came in from Denmark and he's been very instrumental as part of the team. There's a three, you know, so imagine three of these, 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 these um, coaches together, Dean Smith, L. Kelly and Thomas Frank together. Whether Thomas Frank, you know, is or isn't, I don't know too much about him. Maybe he's more technical, more than a people person. Me, I, I'm going to throw anything into the pot. I actually am going to throw something into the pot today. And this is not treading on his grave, because obviously I don't want D. Smith to go. I think they'd be a great manager to bring us into the new stadium and move us forward. But if he said, listen, I spent, you know, three years at Brentford now and I've got a great opportunity, I've got to move on to West Brom. I actually think I'll... I'll, I'll and I didn't think this before. I didn't think this a year ago, but now I think... Kev O'Connor will be the one because Kev O'Connor I think has done wicked things with the B team and I've seen the football they play he gets Brentford he knows what he's about he knows what the football's about he's obviously a people person he can work with the team around him he'll slot in and he'll do the right things he won't do the old oh no oh, I, I, I want to buy my own players I want to this that the other he's just like he'll put his own two pence worth in and they'll work together as a team which is what this is all about and, you know, maybe this is, if it's not now, this is naturally moving towards Kev O'Connor, who is just earning his stripes, playing wicked football with the B team, building up a rapport with them and, 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 and building himself up to be a good manager. And we know Brentford are not happy to peel somebody who's got no experience and throw them into the pot. Did exactly the same thing with Mark Warburton. Mark Warburton, before he was a manager at Brentford, what was, where was he? He was in Watford. He did a bit of, bit of youth team at Watford and he did a bit of, you know, other bits and pieces and then brought him as a director of football to sort of get his feet under the table. But he didn't have any major experience. And Brentford went, tell you something, mate, we'll give you a chance. There you go. So I, I, I kind of am seeing it now and, I, and I, I, I think it could be quite so. And this is not disrespecting Dean. I think, Dean, do your thing, man. Do, do your thing. But it's already, you see, there's a succession plan in place and this is just my thoughts and I'm thinking I really hope you're right Bill because uh, I, 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 we all love Kevin O'Connor he's an absolute legend at Brentford and, and, and that, that would be the dream I think for him to succeed Dean Smith in the long run but I think my, only, my, only, my only concern is I mean I think back to people like Andy Scott and Nicky Forster who didn't quite cut it as managers you know they were they were good players but never quite cut it as managers for Brentford so he didn't have any experience though did he no yeah that's true I mean, not be funny I, I think Kev's got quite a bit of experience and if you've ever seen the B team play they're smashing everybody off the park interesting we talked about they, they played the other day again we talked about last week they beat Chelsea no the last week they beat Shanghai SIPG do you know, again, because we've got Chinese Gary, who's our source out there, Shanghai SIPG are the top team in Shanghai. It was their under-20s that came down to Brentford, but they've got Hulk playing for them. You know, they're flying at the top of their league at the moment now. They've won all their games, 17 goals they've scored, three goals against from them. Um, ironically, in the same league as Vibay, who Vibay's team is second from bottom at the moment now. He hasn't scored a goal. He's struggling at the time, but Shanghai, laughing. They've come over here, 
bing, bang, boom, bosh, we smashed them up 6-0, B team, the other day. Now, it's only a B team, but listen, these things actually mean something. Um, they, the best team in China, and they sent their people down here, and they played our B team, and our B team played them like it was a Hackney Marshes game, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dean Smith will go at some point, but I think the club have something in place that if he does go for whatever reason, whether he's sacked or someone pinches him, he, he'll go and they'll have someone in place. And Kev O'Connor will be a Brentford manager at some point, whether it's in the next 18 months, I don't know. But, you know, he's, he's obviously being trained up to be that next Brentford manager. It might, there might be another manager before him if Dean Smith goes, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I literally I couldn't agree more with, with with everything that's just been said. You know, Kevin O'Connor is is you know, uh, and again I use this word in in its correct sense. He really is being groomed to be to be a Brentford manager. He's you know he's he's a he's a lovely guy. You know, he co- he's a, he comes down to the the besotted socials. Um, he you know 500 plus games for Brentford. He, he is a, you know, he he should be given that chance at some stage, and he is. He's going to be given it. He will get it. So you know, hopefully he will manage us in the top flight as well. Dean Smith's story hasn't finished at Brentford. Um, I'm not. I don't want to predict the next next phase. I'm just I'm just happy that you know it is what it is at the moment, and. Um, you know, but if he if he were to go, it's, it's certainly not going to be the end of the world. And this what make this is this what makes that head coach um, strategy the best one to have because the philosophy, the way we play football, that will be unchanged. The person that picks the team and motivates the team on the training ground that that will change. But I, I can't see it changing for a while. Listen, we've got more stuff to talk about because we have got a big game at the weekend. It wasn't big beforehand, but now it's got a little bit bigger. We've got Ipswich Town coming down. So we're going to talk to my man, Ben, from the Blue Monday podcast from Ipswich. He's going to tell us what's going down over the east side of the world. So Saturday, it's actually quite a big game coming up for Brentford fans. Well, we thought our season was over. And then what happens? Brentford go down to Bristol City and they win down there. And all of a sudden, we're within sniffing distance of the playoffs yet again. OK, there's a big pack chasing as well. And we'll have to win probably all our games. But it's never over till it's over. And Ipswich come down. And uh, they've had a bit of an upsy, tipsy, topsy, turvy season. Which Ben from the Blue Monday podcast is going to tell us all about. Ben, how are you doing? I'm great, Bill. How are you? I'm not bad, actually. I'm not bad. I'm just, I'm sort of sitting there thinking, I don't know what to do because one minute I thought I'd be putting my feet up, I'd be no nervousness, you know, none of that sort of biting your nails in the sort of 89th minute when you're 1 0 down and the other team's, you know, hammering your goal. Then all of a sudden we go and beat Bristol City and then it's game on again for Brentford. And it's a bit of a weird scenario for us because that means our season isn't fully over as yet because, as they say, it's never over till it's over. But for you, it hasn't been the best season for it, which has it. What's gone wrong? Um, so we all, we all knew at the start of the season, it was McCarthy's last year in his contract and that was hanging over, um, hanging over the club. Um, I think he must've got some assurances in the close season. He spent a bit of money, signed Waghorn, Garner, uh, Selena on loan from Man City, Emir Hughes. So I think whether that was either his last till and to see whether he could get them back up into the playoff positions or 
I don't know what the long-term planning was, but obviously we all know how it's turned out and it's been announced that he's leaving. And we started like an absolute train, won the first five games on the trot, which has turned out to be a bit of an outlier, really. They've regressed to the mean. And it's, I mean, the injuries have been one thing. We've had um, Garner's now out for the season. Dizelle's been out all season. Hughes has only played a few games. Eddie Amy's barely played three games. So we've had injuries and they've all been long-term ones. But I think the real story is that he's never quite found a settled system and a settled philosophy to, you know, make a sustained challenge for a playoff position. And it's petered out. The division between the fans and the, the management have come again. And they've all decided that it's um, it's the time now for McCarthy to go off and do another job and for someone else to come in for Ipswich. And it's interesting you say for him to go off and do another job. I mean, there's, there's rumours that he, he possibly might not even be the manager on Saturday. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know how true that is or isn't true. I mean, I'm just wondering from you, because obviously there's growing discontent, a wave of supporters who felt they'd taken Ipswich as far as he could. Are you one of those fans that felt so? Or are you thinking, you know, be careful what you wish for? Um, I think I think it had become untenable. Um, I mean, we did the bit on Channel 5, which, um, which you sort of um, work on with us, um, where I said... The question was, is he the right man for the job? And I said, yes. And is it about time he moved on? And I also said, yes. I think that both things can be can be true. Um, everything has its course, doesn't it? He came in. He took us off the bottom of the table. We finished 14th. We finished 9th. Then we had the great season in 14-15 where we finished uh, one below you, actually, in the playoffs in sixth sixth position. And then no more money came in that team got taken apart and not replaced and it was seventh place then 16th and you know I think maybe it's time for for somebody else to have a go um in answer to your first question um there was all sorts of rumors yesterday uh, you know that his desk had been cleared and he was going to go um what I would say is um since it was announced we played two games the first game was against Birmingham and they completely lacked any intensity and it was like this is not going to be good for the next eight games the Millwall game was was much better but what I would say is Brentford are not the sort of team you want to play without you know without McCarthy there I think it's the sort of game where we're not going to have much possession and there's going to need to be a lot of cajoling from the side and he's going to have to do a lot of coaching like he did in the in the first game where you had all the possession but we we won so I would actually be pretty disappointed if he went before Saturday because I'd actually quite like him to be there on Saturday because this is the sort of game where McCarthy's actually quite a good manager. And I mean, and obviously you, you're going to be getting a new manager and there's a few names flying around. There's Lincoln's Danny Cowley, there's Shrewsbury's Paul Hurst, there's even Jack Ross from St Mirren and, and some people have even said Pardew, which has probably put sort of the fear oh, into some of the fans. I'm just wondering, who do you fancy? Um, I keep going on our podcast and not saying a name and saying I'm going to back whoever it is because I'm so fed up of hashtag Mickey and hashtag Mick out and having a split fan base. So I've been going on saying <laughs> I'm going to we have to back whoever it is. And then they then they say Pardew and I'm like, oh, my God, um, I, I, I then have to not be a hypocrite and back Pardew if they hire him. Um, 
the Cowleys would be a gamble. And I think the people who've complained about the way the football is, you know, direct and defensive and cautious, um, I think they would be a bit hypocritical to then back Cowley. Um, the interesting one, which I'd love to get your take on, would be would be Warburton because, um, you know, obviously Brentford's a lot of facts and figures and clever scouting and good football and, you know, really close with Warburton managing. So I'd be interested in your your thoughts on him. I, I mean, they they linked Steve McLaren and Twitter went into meltdown, but. You know, you don't get the England job for for no reason. I think he's a bit stung by working for some strange chairman at uh, Newcastle and yeah. Derby. But um, yeah. what's your view on Warburton anyway, Bill? I mean, I mean, I know we're going to talk about this more on your Blue Monday podcast as well. But sort of got a briefly on the Warburton front. I mean, we thought he was a, a brilliant manager for Brentford. He he came out of nowhere in effect. He he wasn't. He was. I mean, he was the director of football before that. He was like a youth team coach somewhere. And to be fair, the owner gave him a job out of the blue and just said, "Look, I, I, I like your ethos. I like the way you know we all work together." And it worked out really fine. It, it fell apart for a number of different reasons, which I'm not going to go into to here. Um, you can go on the internet. You can find out exactly what those reasons were. But there was a, a big difference of opinion. Uh, a lot of people say that he was sacked, which was the, the, the news in the press. It wasn't actually that. That wasn't the case. There was a difference in direction, I suppose, is, the, is probably the best way to describe it, between himself and the owner. Um, for yourself, as, as per style of football, um, I think that he is a, a good manager, a good manager. Um, but what was one thing that was um, to his detriment, which I think that maybe if he'd stayed at Brentford, we might be able to help him to build and become a better manager of that, is that he had one style that he used to stick to. He had a plan A, and he said to his plan B is to do plan A better. And, you know, <laughs> which is fine, which is fine when you're doing well and you're battering teams, but, you know, Middlesbrough sussed us out and they beat us every single time they played us because they knew how to just take it in, take in the, 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 the attack. And then they just hit us on the break. And after the end of the season, we, we lost them in the playoffs. We lost, like I said to you, four times out of four. That was the scenario. And it was one of those things. It's still a great time for us. Um, at the time for us, a lot of people say it was the best football that we'd seen in Brentford play. Put the flag was put in the sand by the owner. He says, I want us to play this type of football. So our B team plays it. Our A team plays it. Yeah, Roster started it. Warburton carried it on. And then since then, everyone else has carried it on. And Dean Smith, at times, you'll see him. He'll be playing, getting our team to play wicked football. So that's kind of what you do. So, you know, with yourselves, you know, would he be the right manager? Possibly, you know. It depends on how he recruits and how he recruits a player. Since he left Brentford, it has to be said that the recruitment from the Warburton team has been questionable from the teams that he's been with. And that, that's not a disrespect to him or having a go at him, but any supporter of Rangers and also supporters of Nottingham Forest have said exactly the same thing. I can't answer your question. I'm sure he might do great at Ipswich. I say good luck to him. You know, let him get on with it. And if he comes to you guys, that's fine. If he goes to QPR, I'll probably be quite disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Almost two years ago to the day, we came to Wichita very and very early on in the game. Oh, Luke no. Hyam went in for a tackle on Alan Judge and broke his leg. Now, there's a little bit of, sort of beef between the fans because the Ipswich fans felt it was accidental and Brentford fans were very angry because they were at the game and they felt that Judge was, was pretty much targeted. You know, They felt that McCarthy said, go and get him, make sure that he doesn't get a game, and they felt he was targeted. Now, what was interesting is... Um, a month ago, Alan Judge, who's now back, he actually spoke for the first time about that challenge. And uh, he talked about the phone call from uh, Luke Hyam. He said, uh, well, first of all, he said, uh, this is from the same tackle. He's gone right through me and he's cut my left leg. So I'm lying face first on the ground and the physio comes on and says, what leg is it? I said, it's my right leg. And he says, are you sure? The blood's coming from your left leg. 
He thought I was panicking. He turned around. I looked at my right wing. It was mangled. It probably just shows the force of the tackle. Then he talked about the phone call from Higham. He goes, he rang and apologised because my manager wasn't happy with the comment straight after the game when he said it was a fair tackle. I don't think Mick had seen the replay. Anyone who knows it said it wasn't a fair tackle and that force was unnecessary. And it's really interesting because it sort of took him two years to, a year to even watch football, he said. And then, you know, two years to even talk about that incident. I mean, I know it's water under the bridge now and probably two years down the line, it makes it actually a little easier to discuss. But I'm just wondering what your thoughts are now down the line. Oh, um, we we had a big argument on our podcast about that because... um, my partner Dave was trying to mitigate Hyam um, with the it was wet, he's not that kind of player type thing. Um, the law says unnecessary force and endangering an opponent. And I mean, I, I don't want to watch that tackle back because it's just a horror. Um, it's an awful, awful tackle. There was too much force. I mean, the fact you've said he's literally gone through one leg and onto the other um uh, it's it's embarrassing um as an Ipswich fan I think I think the worst thing is that Judge was in the he was the key player for Brentford we 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 would do the championship roundup every week and it was always Judge with an assist or a goal there was a World Cup or a Euros um a Euros it would have been coming up that he would have been going to and I just feel really badly that a guy in the in the best years of his career playing the best football of his career has two years taken out by and I don't I don't want to bury Luke Hyam um because he's one of ours but he's not a great player and he tries to accentuate what he has got which is that he's very fit and he puts himself about and I don't know what the deal was I don't know we'll never know whether they were told to you know, I don't know. I don't know what language you're comfortable with to um, let Judge know they were there. But if you believe in karma, Hyams barely played for the rest of the next season. He had injury problems the whole time. Um, to all intents and purposes, it looks like. I mean, he's come back this season. He'll probably be on the bench. Um, personally, I would keep him away from that game. Um, I just I just think it's a situation, given that Ipswich don't have a lot to play for, and you've got skews. No, right. Well, listen, I mean, and... I mean, judges, you know, he actually made his first start at Bristol City on Monday, so um, he, he'll most probably be starting on on Saturday, and you could tell he'll be uh, he'll be gunning for a goal at the weekend. It's it's got to be sure. So uh, we'll you know we'll we'll see how that goes, and we'll see how that pans out. But um, I mean, moving on. But you know, like I said to you. The game at, um, up at Portman Road early in the season, you know, you talked about it earlier. You know, you took the points with a 2-0 win. We had all the possession. It was, uh, um, I mean, Ipswich pretty much actually failed to get out of their half for the first 20 minutes. Um, but that was the first of the long line matches where the Bees failed to take their chances and they found themselves on the losing side. I'm just wondering, you know, you're coming down here now. OK, you've had a, you know, a, a bit of a comeback against the, the Millwall in the game there and you scored a fair few goals. Um after a bad run, because before that, I think you hadn't scored in four games without uh, before the Millwall match. Do you see the same thing happening again at Griffin Park? Um, well, there's no chance of us um, beating Brentford in a passing game. That's just not going to happen. Like you say, you've been practicing five, six years of that style and we play a different way. So if there's any chance for Ipswich to win, it will be from 
stopping you, um, making it a bit ugly, waghorn set plays. You, you know the McCarthy style, don't you? Balls into the channels and all of that type of stuff. Um, it was actually one of McCarthy's probably, he can do that. We had no centre-backs, so we had an entire back four of full-backs and we played very narrow. We gave you the ball and... Waghorn was in a great moment and Garner and we scored from a set play and a strange goal where um, where the Brentford guys stopped because they thought McGoldrick had gone down for a penalty and Waghorn kept going and put it in. But it's, Mick can do that. He can pull out a strange backs against the wall win. That's been his style throughout his career. Um, the issue is just the intensity from the players, the focus and what have they got to play for, the managers going. Um, it's going to be a long a long afternoon, that one, especially given the way that Brentford um, keep the ball. But Mick likes to prove people wrong. Waghorn's great at set plays. <laughs> you don't know what could happen. You don't indeed. And and the set plays, like I said to you, we, you know, it, it, one game with the other. You know, we were terrible at set pieces before, but then we changed our defence around a little bit. You know, we got Chris Meffin back on the side, the young youth player who came through the youth and all of a sudden you know he's playing for Wales you know we had a bid from eight million pounds from Bournemouth for him um you know he, he went over to you know play in China for Wales recently beside Gareth Bale he's only played a dozen games for us so you know things change in a minute you know so we'll, we'll see how it goes and how he'll be able to deal with your your waghorns and your people but just Ben match on Saturday uh it means a lot to us it's kind of like so so whatever for you guys Really, I mean, obviously you want to get a win, but um, you're not fighting for a you know a playoff place or anything like that, where we've got this very faint playoff um, candle in the distance. Give us a score prediction. Oh crikey! Um, well, whatever happens, it's a fun day. I think we've sold out. A lot of people like coming and going on the terrace and the pubs on the corners of the stands. Um, I make Brentford strong favourites. Um, probably Brentford by by one, but you never you never know in the championship. School prediction? Oh, 1-0 Brentford. 1-0 to the Bs. Listen, Ben, wicked, mate. Good chatting to you, and I'll see you on Saturday. Like I said, pubs on the corners, pubs on the edges. We'll see you pubs all over the place in Brentford. Just check out besotto.com. We've got loads of pubs in there for Ripswich fans to go to as well, and I'll see you on Saturday. Thanks, Billy. So Ipswich coming to town, and actually, hold on a second, I've just... I've just got it underneath the table here. I've, I've gone out to the to the shop around the corner and I've, I've bought myself a, a load of flares and, and red smoke bombs and all sorts because, uh, you know, I've just been looking and uh, apparently Liverpool, Liverpool, apparently they've told us this is how you do it. You know, if you've got a team coming down and you, you have to win a game, you need to turn out in numbers with your flares and your smoke bombs and then you start throwing flares and smoke bombs and all sorts of stuff in, in the street and then uh, they'll come down and then the, the opposing team we be very scared, and then they'll—they just won't turn up, and then you'll—you'll you'll win. And we need to win on Saturday, so um, I'll be handing these out at the turnstiles on Saturday. Uh, a few smoke bombs and a few. Actually, no, I won't because it's—it's it's illegal, apparently. You say you're going to be throwing them under tractors and stuff. Well, combine harvesters, combine harvesters, etc. If you believe those type of uh, East Country <laughs> stereotypes, then yes. Personally, no. They call themselves the Tractor Boys, so. They too, I think it's a joke. Well, yeah, so I was joking. <laughs> so was I. We're all joking in here in the booth, which is all good. But listen, listen yeah, we're talking to Ben there and he was giving us the lowdown on Ipswich and their non-manager scenario. Well, they've got a manager, but 
he seems to be a little bit missing in action, Mick McCarthy, and we're hoping he's missing in action on Saturday because we need to go out there and get three points, as we said, against um, against those against Ipswich. Um, always sort of seem to cause us a few problems. Ipswich Town. The one time that they probably didn't cause us major problems is that time when, uh, and we talked about it a bit earlier with uh, with Ben there, when uh, Luke Hyam broke Alan Judge's leg, and what it seemed to do, it seemed to mobilise our players and mobilise the fans, and we ended up winning that game three one. And after that, I don't think we lost. I think we might have lost one game after that between then and the end of the season. We absolutely went on a storming run. We practically won every single game after that. So that was uh, an interesting season that because it was a negative which got turned into a positive. But Ipswich coming down, as he said, you know, they're not going to match us playing football on the floor. They're going to be doing the, the, the long ball trick. They're going to be putting the free kick trick. They're going to be just, you know, Mick McCarthying us um, to try and get at least a draw out of this game. How can we combat the Mick McCarthy-ism? We just need to ignore what they do. We just need from the, the first minute, out the traps, at them, football, football on the floor, just playing it wide. Let get Josie soon. Get get um, Watkins involved in this. Alan Judge hopefully gets another start. He played he played brilliantly at, at Bristol City on Easter Monday. He's got he's got some beef with um, with Ipswich Town. He needs to go out there, get the monkey off his back. He needs to get 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 amongst the goals. I, I, honestly, I think we just forget what Ipswich are capable of and what they're going to do to us. They're not going to do anything. They're they're a very average team. We just need to concentrate on what we need to do. That's go out there and get another three points. Ipswich, they, they, they shouldn't they shouldn't offer us much fear. If I'm honest with you, you know they're 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 middling. We need to just literally go at them and just get some goals. We're, we're going to beat them. Uh, score prediction: three, four, one. Three, four, one. For thirty-four, one. We can score thirty-four goals. Three or four, one. I said. <laughs> three or four. Give me one. Uh, 4-1 4-1 easy life Damo yeah I, th- I think I think Dave's absolutely right there I think we've just got we've just got, got to go flying out of the traps and really just go at them I mean you know they've, they've not really got a lot to play for they're going to try and nullify us they're going to they're going to be in our faces they're going to be they're, they're just going to try and probably play out for a draw but you know we've just got to be out for it and, and play play our normal game and I I think we can get a 2 0 win. I think that's fine. 2 1, you're on a 2 1 up. 2 0. 2 0. Clean sheet. 2 0. 2 0. 2 0. Listen, the man, I'm going to ask you Mick McCarthy, would you rather that he wasn't there on Saturday or he was there on Saturday? Or would you reckon the score's going to be? I don't think it makes a difference if he's going to be there or not. Clearly, they're a, a squad and a club that's going through a transitional phase at the moment. No one really knows what's going on. Um, so yeah, it make, makes no difference really. I think we'll win comfortable three 0 victory. I think I can't, I can't see them putting put, putting up much of a fight. Yeah, as, as I said before, they're a middle middle championship squad. Probably next season when they've got a new manager and uh, uh, they've sorted out the squad. But yeah, three 0 victory easy. And for me, I mean, I'm not actually going to see the match on Saturday because after getting locked up for sort of giving out flares and and and, 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 and sort of fireworks before the before the game, like I was saying, so I'll be sort of watching the game on catch up on sort of Channel Five at sort of nine o'clock at night. But hopefully, when I watch that game on catch up on Channel Five, it's going to be at least as as I thought beforehand. Missing another game then. Oh, I'm going to be. Oh, this one will not be my fault, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll be there and I'll be watching it, and it'll be 3 0 to the mighty 
My TVs. But anyway, listen, this is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. Don't forget, Thursday night, check us out on the radio show. We're 8, 9 till 10 o'clock. Love Sport Radio, 555 AM on the AM dial. And also we're on lovesportradio.com and on the DAB. We're going to be having Ipswich fan on there. We're going to have um, Kieran Stanley from the Ipswich fan. He's from the old fanzine. Um, he's going to be chatting on the show about Ipswich Town as well. And also we're going to be having Nottingham Forest fan on there as well, talking about the game on Tuesday night. We didn't talk about that today, but tune into the radio show on Thursday. We'll be talking Nottingham Forest, which is all good. And also Martin Allen. He's on our website, besotted.com. He waves his hand. You click on that button and it's all good. And also, we've just added almost, we thought we'd be able to talk about it now because we've also added a couple of acts on. It's almost got the comedian sorted. And also, we've got a really wicked little musical comedy act as well, which we're going to sort out as well for that. And it's almost going to be in there. We're going to announce it hopefully in the next few days. So you need to go and click on that hand, Martin Allen. He's waving at you. It's the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Um, well, no, Besotted End of Season Bees Up, the 4th of May. Friday the 4th of May a couple of days before the whole game which will hopefully be the game that we need to win it's going to be selling out yeah yeah, it's going to be selling out soon it's the game hopefully that we need to to, to win to get into the playoffs but listen been an absolutely teething tremendous day here at the Distillers in Fulham Palace Road just down the road from Fulham where we're going to be in about a week's time and hopefully we'll be plucking three points from them and there'll be tears because we'll be stopping them getting automatic promotion but we've got to concentrate about Saturday Ipswich, the tractor boys, they're coming down. I'm going to be handing out flares and smoke bombs outside the ground and I'll be taken away and I won't see the game. It's not going to be my fault, but anyway, my mates will be there and they'll tell me how it goes as we say... Come on, you bees! Come on, you bees. We've got to do this now. We can do it. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.